we just take a moment and pray. Uh, Ankeny uh, was not able to meet at the FFA Center today and uh, called an audible to go to the park, but in that process, too, they're trying to dodge some rain and, uh, and the weather. And so can we just remember, we're one church in two locations. These are our brothers and sisters. Let's pray for them if we could. Dear Lord, I, I lift up. It's just hard enough as is when you when you got to scurry to go with plan B and uh, change things, get the word out. Uh, we step out in faith in those moments. Lord, help them to continue to have momentum, uh, to be thankful for what they have, but Lord, also uh, an anticipation that uh, regardless of our plan A's, B's, C's, and D's, you work in spite of us. Uh, so Lord, may lives continue to be changed. May your light continue to shine. And Lord, if you're willing, uh, send the rain away for just a little bit. And your holy and precious name and all the people said, amen. Here in a bit, we're going to sing a song after this uh, called The Jesus Way. And they sang it last week. And there's a line in the Jesus way, it says, I choose the Jesus way. So if you'll allow me to, let me be a stinker for a moment. Why? Why do we choose the Jesus way? I mean, there's a lot of ways out there. Why this one? Because I have a friend, he's, he's an atheist. He's a nice guy. He woke up one day and he decided, you know what, I don't like what I see in the mirror, and he decided he wanted to change. So he got some self-help books, started listening to some, some leaders to help him with his leadership, and he got in the gym, made some changes in his life, and you know what, he's better off for it. He's doing okay. My friend Ainsley, she loves to dive into all sorts of other religions. I mean, she, she enjoys the teachings of Buddha, Confucius. She listens to podcasts that help her out, uh, even uh, studying the life of Gandhi. She, she goes faithfully every single week uh, to do yoga, and, and, and you know what? She's doing okay. It's helped. She's actually a better person. And there's great teachers out there. Come on, let's be honest. You may not like them, but Muhammad, great teacher. Joseph Smith, Martin Luther King, Socrates, Dalai Lama. There's a lot of other teachers out there, and each one of these teachers have disciples as well. So why the Jesus way? Why do we go this direction? Why not some of these other ways? Is that the only way for us to experience life change? Well, let's talk about that a little bit today. Because when we talk about change, there's two primary things we have to keep in focus. The first one is, what's the goal? If you try to engage change or do something, but you don't have a goal, you're just aimless. The next one is, what's the standard? How do I measure whether I'm moving towards that goal? And that's what it is. The goal tells us where I'm going. The standard is how I'm going to get there. It's our measuring stick. And so let me call out the elephant in the room. Can I be a better person without Jesus? And everybody take a deep breath. Because from a worldly standpoint, yes, you can. You can. Notice I put in there from a worldly standpoint. My friend, the atheist, and my other friend, Ainsley, they proved it. You can become a better person you. But now we have to back up and ask a more difficult question. 
Is being a better you the goal? Is that what we're throwing our darts at? Is that what we're supposed to do? So let's take a look at a story today that many of you have probably heard before. It's Luke chapter 18. If you want to turn there in your Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen as well. So follow along whatever way is easiest for you. Story that we often refer to as the rich young ruler. So in Luke 18, 18, it, it says this, a certain ruler asked him, that's Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an interesting question. How does Jesus respond to that? Jesus tells him, in the next slide, thank you, why do you call me good? Jesus answers, no one is good except God alone. So an interesting question the rich young ruler asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the rich young ruler's ultimate goal. This is the thing he's pursuing. And whether we like it or not, it's always uncomfortable to talk about this, but it's a reality. All of us will be faced with this question at some point in our life. I have sat in enough hospital rooms and hospice situations to let you know that whether we really want to believe it or not, each of us has a destiny with death. And we don't like to think about these things, but I've also been in enough hotel rooms, or not hotel rooms, but hospital rooms by surprise, where somebody wasn't thinking about this yesterday, but because life has a way of throwing curveballs, today they were thinking about it. Because now they're facing death in the mirror. This rich young ruler is asking that question. What must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus is looking back at him and saying, do you have a view of this life beyond just this world? Can you see eternity beyond that? Can you see beyond the here and now? Because you know what? Jesus is trying to remind him of something we have to be reminded of, whether we like it or not. The Bible says you are not promised tomorrow. None of us are. And then what about that other thing? You know, Jesus, when he asks that question, Jesus almost seems like he changed the question, but it's so smart because Jesus says, why do you call me good? And, and you know, because what he says is only God is good. Therefore, really what he's saying is, do you think I'm God? And I have to look back at you and say, that's another question we have to wrestle with. Who do you say Jesus is? Is, the, is he the creator of the universe? Almighty God? Or just a good man? Why is this even important? Well, right here you see a man who wants change. And, and he tells us what his goal is. His goal is, I want eternal life. But the next thing Jesus is challenging him with is, then what's your standard? You see, if you're calling me God, then I'm your standard. And we have to ask yourself in life, as you're pursuing change, is Jesus your standard? Is he how you measure goodness? Do you measure yourself with Christ? Or if we're being honest, you really kind of measure yourself against the person next door or the guy down the street with the better car or that person that got the promotion has the better house. 
What are you measuring yourself, or who are you measuring yourself against in this life? Jesus continues. He's going to keep challenging this young man. So in verse 20, he says, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. What's he doing here? Jesus is just saying, you know the rules. You've been learning about them since you were a kid. Are, are you following those? And what does the rich young ruler say in verse 21? He says, yeah, all these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. I'm a good person, if I do say so myself. What is his standard of excellence? Well, it's the law. But if we're really diving into it, he kind of plays his cards here. In the end, he's really the standard, isn't he? Because he already decided he's innocent. He's judge and jury. I'm good. There's a lot of us out there like that. I'm, uh, you know, compared to others, I'm a pretty good person. But will your goodness get you to heaven? Let's see what Jesus says in verse 22. He says, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Notice what he says next. Then come follow me. While we're in this conversation for the next few weeks about the way of Christ, can I tell you what my biggest fear is? My biggest fear is this, that people will see the Jesus way as a set of rules to follow, a checklist to mark off, and obligations to accomplish. And, and, and the idea slips in when we had that, you're like, if I just do these things, then I'm good. I'm okay with God. We just see it as a list of things to do. But I warn you now, I mean, to truly step in the way of Jesus might take you down roads you don't want to go down, and you may have to surrender things you don't want to surrender. And if we reduce this down to a set of rules or a checklist to mark off, you will have completely missed the point of the way of Christ. You'll completely miss the point. Because when we do that, it's just self-help. It's transactional. If I do this, God owes me this. Can we be honest? That's what it is. If I mark this off, take these classes, do this thing, then, then I'll, I'll be okay. God is going to make me a better person. But he never promises the rich young ruler he's going to make him a better person. He never even promises he's, he's going to improve his life. In fact, let's be honest. If he goes out and sells his stuff and gives everything away, it's going to wreck his life. Following Jesus may wreck your life. It may take you down roads you never wanted to go down, and you may have to face things you never thought you were going to face. There's not a promise of all sunny days following Jesus. Jesus knew this man's problem. He knew his idol, and it was greed, and everything that follows greed, which is fear and a lack of trust with it. If I have no money, how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay the bills? If I don't have any money, how am I going to retire? How am I going to pay for that unforeseen hospital visit? If we're being honest, really, really honest, and Jesus saw it in this young man, it can be really easy to put your trust in money rather than God. Really honest. 
Jesus tells him to give it all away. Every last bit of it. Why? Because money wasn't this man's problem. Surrender was. Money was what he worships. And God wants every piece of him. He wants every piece of you, including the money. And I want you to notice something subtle in this verse that can be easy to miss, but is so important. Jesus never looks at this rich young ruler and says, hey, don't worry about it, I'll go sell your stuff. No, he looks at this man and he says, you go sell it. You get rid of it. You do the work. You want to stop your greed problem? Stop being greedy. But quit expecting God to fix that piece of it. It is a partnership. When we step into Christ and surrender to him, it is a partnership. The Bible says he will renew our mind. He will transform our thoughts and our urges. But at the end of the day, you have to take the step. I talked to Charlotte the other day. She's a Christian too, but she's angry at Jesus. You know why? Because people keep saying, all you need is Jesus in your life. She's just sitting there going, Jesus, I need you, and I need you to come fix my life. And he's not fixing her life. She's like, where are you? How come Jesus isn't fixing my life? And I hear this in recovery programs all the time. You go in and they say, brother, you just need Jesus. And I, and I get the sentiment on it. And it makes for a great bumper sticker. But is it true? It's not. It's half true. It's not a full statement. Please stop saying it. Because what they hear is, all I need to do is add Jesus into my life, and he'll come fix my life and make everything better. He doesn't. That's not how it works. In our relationship, it's a partnership. He transforms, you do. Want to stop being addicted to alcohol? Put the bottle down. Need to stop looking at porn? Get off the website. And if you want to stop being a greedy jerk, go sell your stuff. Give it away. Jesus isn't going to do that for you. In fact, did you catch that part in the verse on that? He says, First go sell everything, and then come follow me. Did you catch the order? First go surrender it. First go give it all up. Burn the ship. No going back. Then come follow me. He didn't say, hey, come follow me, and you know what? Somewhere along the way, we'll figure out this whole greed thing. We'll work it out. Uh uh-uh. uh. He says, the next step is yours. And for some of us, we keep waiting and sitting around waiting on God to clean up our poop and make our life better. And He's like, no, I'm waiting on you to take the first step and surrender. Go sell your stuff. Step out in faith. Follow me. And I know this is tough, but He's saying you have the next step. Why? Because He already took the first step and He took it on the cross. He's done his part, and he paved the way back to him. The next step in faith is yours to take. See, to surrender to Christ is to step into a life learning how to listen to God. We have to remove the noise and the distractions. We have to find those quiet places so that we can hear from God. Why? Because when we hear from God, he reminds us of who we are, why we were created, and he tells us what to do. But for some of us, we're so distracted by the noise and chaos of life and everything going on, we can't hear from God. 
And he's calling us to surrender. Calling us to be disciples, people who do the things their master does, say their things their master says with the intent of becoming who or what their master is. And so I'll just say this with brutal transparency. If you want to be a better you, you don't need Jesus. You don't. If that's your goal, to just be a better you, you don't need Jesus. To truly step into the way of Christ, you need to be born again. And the only way to be born again is through death and resurrection. We die to our old life, we surrender our ways, and we are reborn into the kingdom. You have to move your focus from earthly things to heavenly things because Jesus doesn't want to make you a better person. He wants to take the dead you and make it alive. And there's a huge difference. The Jesus way isn't something you just add into your life in hopes that you become a a better person. It's not self-help. It's not safe. It's not meant to improve your earthly life. It's meant to give you a heavenly focus. We're just passing through. This world and everything in it is not all there is. And the way of Jesus reminds us that we are citizens of heaven, living as his representatives here on earth. And it's an invitation for you to surrender your life, to give everything up, to take up your cross and follow your master. And so I need you to remember, this way of Christ thing, it's not about you being a better you. It's about you exchanging the dead you for an alive Jesus Christ living inside of you. You don't need self-help. You need new life. That's why Watchman Nee would say this. He'd say the Christian life is not a changed life, but an exchanged life. I exchange my life for his. I give it up. I surrender. I lay it down. I exchange this world for heaven. It is the great exchange. So to choose the Jesus way is to surrender everything, your will and your way to him. And we exchange our lives for his life. You don't need to be a better you. You need to be a new you transformed you you need to surrender to Jesus and I hope you do that today let's pray